very special speaker this morning. About 17 years ago when I was living in the Los Angeles area, I, I got a call from a, a guy, part of a crusade, who was going to be moving from Madison to Los Angeles, and he was looking for a place to live, didn't really know anyone in the area, and out of the blue, he called me, uh, and I did not know him, and he was asking for a place to stay, and he and his wife, Jill, stayed with us for five days, complete strangers in our home. But a great friendship developed that week and has continued on as we lived uh, not too far from them in L.A. for the years that they were there and we were there, and we have continued on with a friendship since then with he and his wife, Jill. Bob has been part of Crew for 23 years. Uh, he has been, I'm sure some of you may know him from Madison days or Minnesota days or even from some of you who've been with him on Project in Ocean City or also um, out there in Los Angeles at UCLA. He's currently coaching leaders in Southern California and in Arizona, and we have just come off of a great weekend where he got a chance to speak four times to the men and build us up in the faith. And I thought we would cap off the men's retreat here on Sunday morning by including the women on and including the men on the conversation. So, Bob, why don't you come here and finish it off? Thank you, Jay. Thank you. <laughs> I wondered if anybody would do that. So... My last name is Foose, and so oftentimes when I come up and, and speak, and certainly to college students, I will hear, what? What will I hear? Yeah, so, so I just have to explain that they're not booing, they're just saying my last name. Though maybe some of them are booing, I'm not sure, but uh, this is fun to be here. I do need to clarify that story that Jason told, though, because uh, I did call them out of the blue. I was uh, getting trained to be a campus leader uh, in South Carolina. I was moving from Madison then to Los Angeles, and I got the name of this pastor in uh, Los Angeles, who had been doing some volunteering with crew. And so I, I called him up, and, uh, and he actually offered, he said, is there anything that we can do for you? And, you know, I'm, I'm a missionary. I raise support for a living. So if anybody offers anything, I'm going to take as much as I can get, right? So, uh, so I said, hey, we don't know anybody. We're going to come out and look for a place to live. Would you be up for, you know, putting us up for a few days? And he didn't know us any, any well, so he said, sure, why not? And uh, then we just got, became very close with Jason and Melissa. They became very dear friends. Uh, in fact, they drove us around that whole week looking for a place to live. And they, the first place they showed us, which was not too far from where they were living, was where we ended up living. And we, we got to know them really well. And uh, they were transplants from Texas, right, at the time. And we were coming from Wisconsin, living in this weird place. So I li I'm from Wisconsin, you know. I, so I moved from the land of, you know, cheese and beer to the land of fruits and nuts. And so we, we just sort of all laughed about these funny California things we were experiencing. Which, okay, so I live in Orange County now. And I think the Lord was preparing me to come here this week because last Sunday, as I was going to my church, uh, I had to have my winter coat on because it was 60 degrees and raining. So I think the, the Lord was preparing me for this time. And if I was sitting here the first time hearing about baptisms, and I, and I think it is, you do need to get baptized if you haven't been baptized, but honestly, I'd be a little worried about baptisms in Chicago in March. I, I don't know. I think uh, hopefully it's indoors, right? Okay, okay, good. All right. So this is great to be here. A lot of familiar faces. I see uh, my good friend Chris is here with, with his son, and I see a bunch of people I know from uh, a summer mission project that I lead in Ocean City, and a bunch of the fellas that were with us uh, this weekend at the, uh, at the men's conference or the men's retreat, and, and that was really fun. Uh, and so 
what we want to do this morning is bring the women sort of into what we were experiencing. And any of you guys that weren't here uh, this weekend, we kind of want to bring you into to our experience. Uh, our theme this weekend was men don't retreat. Our theme was men don't retreat. We, we talked about the idea that Honestly, there, there's sometimes uh, things that we're moving towards that we actually do need to retreat from. There's things that we're giving our lives to that maybe aren't, aren't the best things to give our lives to that, that we do need to probably run, run away from. But there's other things that maybe areas in our lives where we've been passive, where we haven't been as intentional as we need to. And, and those are the things that we need to really run towards. In fact, we've got these crosses here on either side of the stage. If you look at these, um, this is part of a ceremony that we did uh, yesterday at, at the end of the retreat. And there's some, some stones there, and each guy was at a, at a table with their, with their oikos group, and they had a chance to write down and reflect on things that they wanted to either run towards or things that they wanted to run away from in their lives. And we talked about the idea that masculinity is, what guys, masculinity is? Intentionality. You were listening. I like that. We talked about the idea that masculinity is intentionality, and and if we're going to be real men, so now the women, you know this, and so you can hold us accountable, right? If we're going to be real men, we're going to be intentional about different areas of our lives. And so these stones represented the things that we either wanted to run towards or the things that we wanted to run away from uh, with, with the help of Christ. And so we, we talked about running, running towards uh, purity in, in relationships. We talked about running towards other men. We talked about running towards uh, pursuing excellence in our vocation and the idea that, that God, uh, God honors work and work is worship. And then uh, we, we talked about uh, the idea that we need to run towards other people who don't know Christ, and we need to be a part of his mission to help people understand what it means to know Jesus. We talk, talked about all those things this weekend. Our theme was men don't retreat. I like that idea. Um, but what I want to talk about this morning as we kind of finish up our series is this idea. I think it's easy to come away from a retreat like that, and you've got your list of things to do. You've got your list of, of things that, that you want to either run towards or run away from. And my fear is that you'd end this weekend and you'd think that you need to do that in your own strength and power. Like, I think we can often treat the Christian life like a self-help program, can't we? I don't know about you, but I have in my life. That, that you hear sermons or you hear messages or you, you hear about things that you should do or you shouldn't do, and you begin to treat those things like a self-help program. We treat the Christian life like a guy that went out to, uh, he went out to buy a chainsaw because he had to cut down some trees. Maybe, maybe you've heard this story. So there was this guy, I think up in Wisconsin, where we're all a little wacky, who uh, had some trees that he needed to cut down. So he went to the chainsaw store to buy a chainsaw. And the guy, so guy sold him the top of the line model. And he said, you ought to be able to cut down at least 200 trees in a day with this chainsaw. So he said, that was fantastic. That's exactly what I need. So he goes to his land, and he uh, works all day, and he was only able to cut down two trees. So frustrated, he goes back to the chainsaw store, and he explains his problem, and the, the guy at the store says, well, this is the top-of-the-line model. You've got to be able to clear at least 200 trees with this thing. And so he looks at it, made sure that the blade was sharp, made sure there was gas in it. It's like, no, it's, it's a great model. This should be easy for you. And so he goes back out, and the guy doubles his efforts, worked, works twice as hard the next day, was only able to cut down three trees this time. So he goes back to the chainsaw store, very frustrated. And the guy behind the counter takes a look at it and says, this thing is the top-of-the-line model. Everything, you ought to eat 200, even 300 trees in a day. And so he takes a look at it, plenty of gas, plenty of oil, the blades are sharp. And so he pulls the cord to, to start it up, right? You know, pulls the cord and then, the thing comes to life. And the other guy jumps back and he says, what's that noise? See, I think a lot of us treat the Christian life like that, right? Like we try to live the Christian life in our own effort and strength. 
But what we want to talk about this morning is the power that God has given us to live the Christian life. And so uh, what we're going to talk about today is some, a principle in Scripture that I think will have probably two effects on you, all right? So for some of you, you're going to feel incredible freedom. Like, as you hear this, it's going to hopefully set you free, and you're going to enjoy the Christian life more than you've ever enjoyed it. But for others of you, and, and these would be the, uh, the IT majors, the engineers in the audience, the science people, I can't imagine there's any of those, but um, I know there are. Uh, this might be a little frustrating for you. So there's going to be freedom for some people, and I think there'll be some frustration for other people because uh, it's not going to be super clear, right? Uh, relationships, especially your relationship with God, uh, aren't about neat lists to follow, right? Like imagine I, I'm married to my wife, Jill. She's back in California. We've been married for 17 years. Imagine if I tried to love my wife with a list. You know, that would just look weird, wouldn't it? I, you know, get up in the morning and, you know, my wife says, you know, or my list says, uh, greet wife joyfully. Good morning, wife. You know, check. Uh, you know, ha- enjoy breakfast with wife. You know, check. You know, give wife big, wet, sloppy kiss. You know, check, check, check. You know, it, it just wouldn't work, right? Like, you can't love someone with a list. She wouldn't feel very loved. So I'm going to be as clear as I can, and we're going to get into a passage, but uh, there's a lot of mystery to how it all works. So here, here's what we're going to see. In the same way that we depend on Jesus' work and power for salvation, we depend on the Holy Spirit's work and power for our growth. In the same way that we depend on Jesus' work and power for salvation, we depend on the Holy Spirit's work and power for growth. What we're going to learn is that spiritual maturity isn't about independence, but it's about dependence. It's about dependence on God's Holy Spirit. And if you're here this morning and you're not a follower of Christ, we're glad you're here. If you're just sort of checking out this the Jesus thing or this Bible thing, maybe somebody dragged you. Uh, you're here on, on a great Sunday because, one, uh, if, if somebody brought you and you don't like it this morning, if you don't like what you hear, I won't be back next week. I'm just a guest, and you're going to hear from Jason, and he's much better than I am. So that's awesome. But, two, if you're here and you're not a follower of Christ, uh, hopefully uh, this will give you a great glimpse into the incredible power that's available to live the Christian life. Like maybe the, one of the reasons that's kept you from wanting to follow Christ is you kind of see sort of the moral standard that, that Jesus has set for us. And, and you just think, I, I can't live like that. I, I can't do that. I don't know how to do that. Hopefully you'll see the incredible power that's available to us to live like Jesus. Because you might not agree with what the Bible has to say about things like sex or purity, but who wouldn't want to love like Jesus? Like who wouldn't want to serve like Jesus? Who wouldn't want to forgive people like Jesus. The reality is you can't, no matter how hard you try. So every other religious system that you think of has rules that we need to follow, right? I've heard one other pastor say it's like the three R's. Either you follow ritual, rules, or religion. That's sort of every other religious system. You have to attend services, practice certain rituals, do good deeds in the hopes that someday uh, you would end some sort of karmic cycle, right? You'd be able to jump off this karmic cycle. You're expected to perform, and if you don't, sorry. And far too often, that's how we Christians have portrayed the Christian life, sadly. But Christianity isn't a religion like that. It really is a relationship. We're going to see the incredible length that God has gone to bring us into a relationship with him and to give us the power to be able to live this Christian life. So if if you do have a Bible, uh, open up to Galatians or bring it up on your phone or the YouVerse app. or YouVerse or what is it? The YouVersion app, that's right. You can set your DVR with the YouVerse app. Um, so this morning we want to answer, 
where does the power come from to live the Christian life? Like, how do I even apply the things that I learned at this men's retreat? How do, I apply, how do I apply the great things that Jason and the other pastors talk about every week? How do I do this? Where does the power come from to do this? And we, we're in Galatians because Galatians is all about that. It's a treatise on how to live the Christian life. Like, what do you do after receiving Christ? Where does the power come from to live the Christian life? And we're going to look just at one verse. I'm a simple person. We're just going to look at one verse this morning. Uh, that I think will add some clarity to that. To really, what does it look, to answer the question, what does it look like to be controlled by the Holy Spirit? So what we're going to see is that God never intended for you to try harder. In fact, God never intended for you to live the Christian life. You never could, and you never will. You can't, but he can. So we're going to look at Galatians chapter 3, verse 3, all right? So if you've got a Bible, and I think it's up on the screen if you don't. Here's what he says. He starts off by saying, are you so foolish? So he kind of begins to chastise these believers, right? He says, are you so foolish having begun by the Spirit? All right, we're, we're going to stop there, right? So he's talking to this church and he says, okay, you guys, you began by the Spirit. So the first question we need to ask is, what do we begin? Like, what's he referring to? What's he talking about there? What do they begin by the Spirit? Well, what he's referring to is their Christian life. You begin the Christian life by the work of the Holy Spirit and by the power of the Holy Spirit. We're going to throw a couple other verses up on the screen here. John 3, 5, Jesus was talking to Nicodemus, and he said, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, you can't enter the kingdom of God. You need to be born again by the Spirit. The Apostle Paul said in Romans 8, chapter 9, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. The moment you put your faith and your trust in Christ, uh, the Holy Spirit came to live inside of you, and you have the Holy Spirit. We see it also in verse 2 of Galatians chapter 3. He said, uh, sort of asks a rhetorical question. He said, did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? Of course, the answer that he would want to hear back is, we receive the Spirit by hearing with faith. Like, we start our Christian life by faith, by hearing with faith, by believing what Jesus did for us. That's how we become a Christian. And for most of us, this was the first revolutionary truth, right? Right? Like, this was the the first revolutionary truth that uh, having a relationship with God isn't about what we do. It's not about what we do. It's not about our acts, but it's what what Jesus did for us 2,000 years ago. And the moment you put your faith and your trust in what Jesus did and you stop trusting in yourself, that very moment you you become his child, that very moment your name is written in the book of life, and that very moment God's spirit comes to live inside of you. And so that's what he's talking about there. Paul says that was beginning with the Spirit, realizing that it's not about you, but it really is about him and his power. So tell me, a little question for you guys, uh, is salvation about independence or dependence? Dependence, right? Dependence. Salvation is about dependence, depending on what Jesus did for us 2,000 years ago. So here's the great thing. Jesus didn't leave us to make it on our own. Jesus didn't say, hey, that's great. That's all I'm going to give for you. But he gave us his Holy Spirit. So this same principle of dependence and salvation now carries over really into the rest of our Christian life. So let's look at the second half of the verse. Paul goes on in verse 3, and he says, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Again, another one of these rhetorical questions. Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? In other words, he's saying, uh, you guys, are you now trying to grow in the flesh? Are you now trying to become complete in the flesh? 
or by what you do, by your actions? Are you now trying to live the Christian life in your own power and in your own strength? He's saying, you guys were were right to realize that salvation was about grace through faith. Salvation was about what Jesus did for you on the cross. It was about believing and trusting. Why would you think now that your growth is any different? If salvation wasn't about your flesh and your effort, why would you think growth now is about your flesh and your effort? That would be foolish. See, we don't approach salvation by trying harder or doing more. Paul's saying that God's power for growth and ministry uh, doesn't come that way either. Isn't that a great message? Hopefully that, that sets you free in some way. Here's another way of saying it, okay? The blessings of the Spirit, the power of the Spirit to make us holy, to make us more like Christ, come to us the same way the blessings of the Son do, by believing and trusting. Believing and trusting by depending on him. The bottom line is just as you can't save yourself, only Jesus can, you can't live the Christian life, only Jesus can. The Christian life, think about it. It's to love like Jesus, it's to care like Jesus, to forgive like Jesus, to run towards the things that we need to like Jesus did. We can't do that on our own effort and strength. Only Jesus can do those things through us. I like what Charles Stanley said in his book, The Wonderful Spirit-Filled Life. He said, the spirit-filled life, the spirit-controlled life begins with an overwhelming realization that we're absolutely hopeless and helpless apart from the empowerment of the spirit. We're hopeless and helpless. If you've been trying to live the Christian life and you've been thinking this Christian life is hard, that means you've been approaching it as a life of effort. If you see the Christian life as hard, at some level, you see it as a life of effort. Jesus said that the Christian life isn't just hard, it's impossible. It's so impossible that you can't live it on your own strength. Only I can. That's why Jesus said in John 7 that the only prerequisite for coming to him was thirsting. Jesus said in John 7, if anyone's thirsty, come to me and drink. And out of him, streams of living water will flow. And John said he was referring to the Spirit. The prerequisite is dependence, is a need, is thirst. That's why Paul said it's foolish. It's foolish to think that you could grow, you could live this Christian life in your own power any more than thinking. It's just as foolish as thinking that you could save yourself in your own power. So the question that I think I would have for all of us, and I certainly have for myself, is have you been viewing the Christian life like a self-help program? Have you been kind of taking your lists and working your lists and doing it in your own effort and strength, like the chainsaw guy? You know, trying to do it in your own effort and strength. Are you trying in your own power to be more patient? Are you trying in your own power to love people better? Are you trying in your own power to maybe be a more effective witness? Or are you trusting in the Spirit to do that through you, to give you the power to do those things? There's a a big difference, isn't there? One is about trusting in your own resources and strength, which are incredibly limited, probably far more limited than we think. But the other one is about trusting in His unlimited resources and strength. Paul said that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of us. That's the power that we have to live the Christian life. So here's where the engineers and the IT people are thinking, okay, that's all well and good, but what practically can I do? I don't know. We're going to close in prayer right here. No, actually, there's some practical things you can do. I have no idea. Um, Okay, so what did you do when you received Christ? If you receive Christ, what did you do? You, you basically said, Jesus, uh, I can't do this on my own. Jesus, I can't save myself. I need you. I depend on you. 
That's what you did, right? Now, what if you took that same faith decision, that one-time faith decision to receive Christ, and now you carry that over into every area of your life? And you lived that way. You lived with that attitude of dependence for the rest of your life. Imagine if you lived that way each day. Now, this isn't a passive thing, right? Like, you still make choices. God doesn't want you to, to control you like a robot or anything like that. Like, he, he wants to make you fully you and all of your gifts and your personalities and your talents and things like that. But he wants to empower you to be a part of his mission and to, to change your life. He wants to give you the power to do that. You still act. Listen to what Paul said in Colossians chapter 1, verse 29. He said, for this I toil. So Paul's working hard in ministry, but he says, struggling with all, what does it say? His energy, not my energy, his energy that powerfully works in me. So what does it look like? I I didn't invent this, but I think it's great. I think the essence of the spirit-filled life is living by this phrase. I think we have it up on the screen, right? Lord, I can't, but you can. Let's say that together. Lord, I can't, but you can. It's living by that phrase. So maybe tomorrow you'll leave here and you'll, uh, you know, you want to run towards gospel risk as, uh, like we talked about this weekend. You want to share Christ with a coworker, begin to have a spiritual conversation, and you get sort of that Jesus pit in your stomach and you, you're scared, and you're tired, and you're, you're not sure if you're able to do it, I want you to hit pause in that moment, and I want you to remember this phrase. What's the phrase? I want you to remember that. Lord, I can't. I don't have the strength to, to, to bring up spiritual things with this coworker. W- would you do that through me? And then trust that he'll give you that strength. Move forward by faith, trusting that he'll give it to you. Or maybe you're experiencing temptation, Right? And and you don't know how you're going to resist that temptation. You don't know where where the power to do that's going to come from. I want you to hit pause in that moment. And I want you to think of this phrase. What's the phrase? I just want you to remember, right? So remember that phrase and think, Lord, I don't have the power to resist the temptation. But you do. You've resisted temptation. Would you resist this through me? And then trust him to give you the power to do that. Think about the last command that Jesus gave his disciples, right? Jesus commanded his his followers to make disciples of some nations. No, all nations, right? Like, and in their minds, they were probably thinking, okay, we know Assyria, we know Rome, we know Egypt, we know the Samaritans. Really, Jesus? But what did Jesus tell them? He said, I don't want you to go until, until you've received power from the Holy Spirit. Like, don't go do this in your own strength and power. Do this when you receive power from the Holy Spirit. Jesus knew they couldn't but he could. Or maybe as you come across, come at the end of our retreat, right? We talked about uh, retreating from some things and not retreating from others. My fear would be that you would do those things in your own strength and in your own power, right? Well, the reality is Jesus never retreated from the things that he needed to retreat from, and he always moved towards the things that he needed to move towards. And so please don't think you can do that in your own strength and power. Like, you need to realize you can only do that as he gives you the power to do that, right? You can't, but he can't. I like how uh, C.S. Lewis put it. He said, all this trying leads up to the vital moment at which you turn to God and say, you must do this, I can't. You must do this, I can't. Uh, A few years ago, I was on a uh, vision trip, a mission trip to Brazil with uh, a few of our staff and with Campus Crusade and some students. And 
Uh, I think we have a picture of me and my, uh, one of my mentors in college. Do we have that next slide up? Or maybe we're waiting for the, that's all right. So with me and one of my, oh, there it is, me and one of my mentors. I'm the one on the, on the right. Um, and he was one of my earliest mentors in the spirit-filled life. Well, one day, we had just uh, finished a really busy day on campus as we were talking to Brazilian college students. And we're on the bus headed back to our hotel where we all desperately needed a shower, kind of like many of us after the men's retreat. But uh, we desperately needed a shower. Well, I noticed this guy, Dave, talking to a Brazilian student on the bus. Well, as we got off the bus and into our hotel, I asked Dave what was going on. And he said, well, this girl heard us talking and she was interested in Jesus. And I just thought, I'm so tired, Lord, but I know you want me to be your ambassador. And so would you give me your power to be able to have this conversation with this girl? And, I, and, he, and they talked and she was interested in Jesus. And I thought that's exactly what Dave, Dave did in that moment. He said, Lord, I can't, but you can. Lord, I don't have the power to do this, but you do. One of the things I like about uh, what I do is I get to travel a lot. And a few years ago, I did something for crew up at Cal Berkeley. And uh, a couple days after that, my wife and I went to the Napa Valley. And I don't know if you've been to the Napa Valley, but it's a beautiful part of California. And you can, uh, I think we have a picture actually of, of the Napa Valley up here. Yeah. So if you've been there, uh, you know that there's, you can do wine tastings and tours of vineyards. And uh, it's, it's really a gorgeous place to go. But one of the most interesting things that you find is it's really quiet up there. As you're touring these vineyards, you don't hear a lot of grunting and groaning, even though there's fruit being produced, right? Like you don't hear the vine, you know, okay, I've got to make a grape. Okay. And, uh, you know, you just don't hear. It's just, it's quiet. Well, this is the picture that Jesus gave us for growth in the Christian life. Look what he said in John chapter 15, verse 5. He said, I am the vine, you're the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, He it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me, you can do nothing. But don't we do just the opposite? We get up in the morning and we say, I'm going to really try to be more patient today. I'm going to really try to be more loving. I'm going to try to produce a grape. It's not the fruit of our self-effort, is it? It's the fruit of the spirit that he wants to produce. So that's the question for us this morning, right? Are you trying to live the Christian life? Are you trying to apply the things that you learn at men's retreats or women's retreats or things that you read in the Bible? Are you trying to apply those things in your own power or are you trusting in his power to do those things? The essence of the spirit-filled life is living by the phrase, let's all say it together, Lord, I can, but you can. Hey, I've had a great weekend with you guys. Thanks so much for allowing me to be here. Thanks to the men. You've got just a great group of pastors and worship leaders and, and fellas here. So thanks for embracing me. I was, I was telling Jason that uh, my heart was ministered to as I was with you guys, and it's fun connecting with a bunch of students that I know. So thank you so much. Let, let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, thanks for this opportunity to, to be here. And I pray for these men and women here, even as we put a, a bow on our men's time together. I pray, Lord, that we would be men that, uh, that don't retreat, that we would be men that are intentional in our masculinity, that we would move towards the things that you want us to move towards, but that we would do it not in our own power and strength, but we would do that in the power of your Holy Spirit. I pray that the women here would notice the difference, that we would come away from the weekend not just with more notes in our notebook, uh, but that we would come away with a changed life. And so, I, yeah, I pray that the women would feel that and our coworkers would feel that, that our kids would feel that as well. So empower the men, strengthen the men, and I just pray your blessing on this church and on this body. In your name, amen.